schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. My name's Leanne McMahon. In today's episode, I've enlisted the help of my colleague Cass Lowry and former AMSI Outreach Officer and Educator Extraordinaire Vicky Kennard to bring you some of the highlights of the Maths Association of Victoria's annual conference. As you'll remember, the conference was held virtually this year, as was much of 2020. This provided a fabulous opportunity to attend sessions both live and for the next 12 months, something that I'm really going to make the most of, given that I was absolutely exhausted after both days of the conference. So I'm going to start with my friend Vicky. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Leanne. You've been to quite a few MAV conferences. What did you think of this year's and what session are you going to focus on today? I really enjoyed the conference. I must say I did find it difficult to concentrate watching a computer screen for so long, which really made me feel sympathetic to all the students that have had to do it for so long um, this year. But watching the recordings again um, and having them available is really good. So the particular session that I want to talk about is the one with Ollie Lovell and Bryn Humberstone, who were talking about Desmos classroom activities and putting research into practice. Now, this session really was what it said on the tin. They were really talking about taking good research on learning and cognitive load theory and actually using Desmos and putting those ideas into practice. So as with all sessions, anything really practical always is most interesting. So they demonstrated this by actually getting people to use Desmos and to do activities. And then they went through the activities and explained how they constructed them and why they constructed them that way. And they were really showing principles of cognitive load theory, things like how changing the format of the question can really help you to assess more quickly, especially using Desmos and the overlay feature of Desmos. So the question they gave was one where they asked the students to plot a point. The first time the question was posed, there were no axes and the students had to draw the axes. This was difficult, weren't sure if the student's problem was drawing the axes or labelling the point. So the second time they presented the question, they actually put the axes there and just asked the students to position the point. That way they could use the overlay function to see very quickly which students were approximately correct and which students were way out. So that was one very good um, activity they did. They then looked at the goal-free effect and using the self-explanation effect. And then they looked at the split attention effect. So the goal-free effect is where there's no goal. They don't have to get a right answer. The answer is going to be an approximation. The more important thing is what they're thinking and why they think that's the answer. So they're not thinking about getting it correct finishing quickly. They're just tackling a problem, but they know that there's no right or wrong. So you're taking away that goal. You're taking that um, distraction away from the students. Then they talked about the self-explanation effect, and that was to be able to do a series of questions reflecting on what they had done before. So given what you've done before, do you now want to change? Now you've been shown something else, or do you want to keep the same? So again, they used the Desmos activity to illustrate this. 
with residuals and squares of residuals on fitting a best line to um, a series of points, which was really um, a clever way of demonstrating that. Split attention effect. Now, this one was really interesting. They um, asked a series of questions about quadrants. In the first one, they just put a lot of information and then asked the student or the participant to label the quadrants one, two, three, four. They then asked you to put a point in the quadrant. But then they gave the same information again, but this time the information was actually on the graph itself. And the explanation for this was, if you split the attention, if you have all the information in one place and the diagram in another place, the student has to look in two different places. You're splitting your attention between two areas. If you put the information on the diagram, then all the information, all the cognitive load is, is focused in one place. And that makes it much easier for students to be able to understand and make sense of it. So actually putting the information in the diagram rather than by the side makes a big difference. And I thought that was a really interesting point and something I will definitely take note of myself in the future when presenting material. And the last little bit they talked about was um, retrieval and a little bit of interleaving and the idea of posing questions on topics that have been done earlier that week, the previous week and, and later away and just forcing the brain, forcing the mind to recall information, to retrieve information, and how that retrieval process itself is actually part of the learning process and is really good. And they gave some questions where, again, the student wasn't asked to give an answer. They were asked to say which of these following shows the correct approach. So it was a multiple choice. And again, the student just had to click on the correct approach. So not challenging them to work out the problem, but helping them understand which approach to take. Here is a question, what do you think is the correct approach? And they pointed out this is particularly important for students doing external exams like VCE, where they might not even know where to start with a problem. So giving them these sorts of multiple choice questions just helps them to familiarize themselves what approach to take for different sorts of problems. So I thought it was a really great session, really practical. There are very engaging presenters. And as I said, being able to go back and watch it several times and to extract different things each time has been really useful. And I must compliment Mav on presenting an amazing conference under very difficult circumstances. So thank you. Well, thanks so much for that comprehensive discussion, Vicky. I'm really looking forward to catching up on that session. Now we're going to hear from my partner in maths, Cass Lowry, who attended a few different sessions and will direct us towards some fantastic resources. Hi, everyone. It's Cass Lowry here, and I wanted to share some of my highlights of the 2020 MAV virtual conference. During the keynote on day one, I attended Dr. Paul Swan's session, that was all about maximizing the curiosity of young children. He shared several little activities and games that could be used to engage students, many of which are available from his website. One activity I really liked for younger children included combining supertizing flashcards and actions. So Paul suggested using pocket dice. These are larger soft dice that you can buy that have little pockets where you can insert your own cards. On the dice, 
you have one has supervising dot cards and the other one has actions like hopping, clapping or stamping your feet. Paul used pictures of the children doing that in his example. So basically the activity involves rolling both dice and then having the student perform the action that number of times. So three claps or two hops. I thought it was a great activity to help students recognize numbers and to also get them moving. Paul did give us the tip that to be careful what actions you choose because getting a room full of prep students all doing six spins at once can be a little bit crazy. Do check out Dr. Paul Swan's website for more activities such as these. During session two, I attended James Tanton's presentation called Pencil Pushing, which was all about using a pencil to help students better understand angles as measures of turn rather than focusing solely on degrees. James began this session by unlocking the secret of how to perform the international mathematics salute. Now, despite some practice, I'm not sure I've quite worked it out yet, but there is a link in the show notes if you want to have a go. James then took us through the process of using a small pencil to show the amount of turn in an angle. So a full rotation is one whole turn, 90 degrees is a quarter turn and so on. He then went on to show us how we could use this pencil pushing technique to check out how many degrees were in a shape, like a triangle or a quadrilateral. A detailed demonstration of this process is available on James's Good Day Maths website. I was fortunate enough to see James present live at the 2019 AAMT conference. And despite this MAV session being in a virtual environment, so like a Zoom meeting, it, James was still very engaging. I've seen that James Tanton has already been booked for a Maths Teaching Circles Oz session early next year. We'll put the details in the show notes as is well worth checking out. I also checked out Sally Hughes and Rebecca Stewart's session on number strings. I was very interested in learning more about this technique as I'm a big fan of using number talks. Sally and Rebecca explained that number strings follow a similar process to number talks. Instead of just using one problem, say 29 plus 6, and asking students to investigate different strategies to solve that problem, number strings involve using a series of related maths problems. So you might start with 29 plus 6, but then you'd move to 29 plus 16, then say 99 plus 26, etc. The purpose of these series of problems is about encouraging students to see the connection between the numbers and the connection between the strategies. Effectively, we're encouraging students to build on their own knowledge. Sally and Rebecca explained that the process of selecting the problems was not random and instead was based on research into variation theory, where each time one or two elements in the problem are modified to create the next problem. I first heard about variation theory in a podcast by Craig Barton. He now has a book and website dedicated to it. Sally and Rebecca also said that if you want to learn more information about number strings, you should check out the work of Kathy Fosnott and Rachel Lambert. Links to related website have been included in the show notes. Thanks, Cass. I also attended Sally and Rebecca's session on number strings and I thoroughly enjoyed it. To be fair, I worked with Rebecca at Catholic Education Melbourne, so I knew I was in for some very well-researched and well-thought-out material, and I certainly wasn't disappointed. Another resource that I found really helpful in providing ideas for number strings 
is Sherry Parrish's book, Number Talks. And that comes with videos and oh, nearly a thousand purposefully designed number talks. So have a look at that one. And the other thing that I want to do is direct everyone to James Tanton's site. It's jamestanton.com, but it also has links to the Global Math Project and a whole lot of other uh, resources. This site is for anyone from the youngest children to year 12s and beyond. And if you want to improve your content knowledge, it's really fantastic for that. Got me, you know, dividing quadratics and all that sort of thing, which was really quite exciting for me. Anna Bock and I presented the AMSI Building Capacity to Sustain Growth in Maths course, which looked at how we developed and presented a course for advanced skills teachers on the use of data to inform teaching and professional learning. And then we used action research to improve mathematics outcomes in a number of schools in our regions. So um, I'll provide some links to, to that in the show notes. Another session I attended was Nadia Abdullah's session on the perfect maths planner, Does It Exist? And that was foundation to year 10. Now, I always love hearing Nadia talk, and I really enjoyed how she incorporates her vast knowledge of life in and out of the classroom with the current research. She has a website, but she is absolutely aware that schools really require their own planning documents. So she invites people to contact her directly for assistance with this. So we'll put her website in the links. She discussed cognitive load theory and interleaving, and she just left me with some great ideas and resources for improving planning for better maths outcomes. And finally, how could I not attend my friend Cass Lowry's session on helping parents find the maths? As usual, Cass was knowledgeable and enthusiastic and showed how important it is to get parents on board when we're teaching. She gave some great ideas, all of them backed up by current research, but easily put into practice. So check out those resources. Now, I could go on about the amazing sessions, but I hope I've given you a taster of what was a great conference and continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. My advice is to follow up on the references we've given you, and if you get an opportunity to go to online conferences, don't knock it back. I've got a year to indulge in a truckload of professional learning, and I can't wait. So the podcast notes from today's episode can be found on the AMSI Schools Teacher Support website, calculate.org.au, and the accompanying episode notes will have some useful links and resources for teachers so you can explore all of the ideas we've discussed today and in more detail. I'll also give you a link to the MAV site. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at AMSI Schools or on Facebook by searching for Choose Maths. We can be reached via email on the address choosemaths at amsi.org.au. And, well, I was going to say don't forget to join with us on our weekly Twitter chat, but we've finished for the year. So 8pm Thursday nights, I'll let you know when we're starting up again. Uh, that's Sydney and Melbourne time. If you want to catch up on any of those, look for the hashtag MathsTalk, or one word. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time for our final episode of the year and an ode to what was a very, very long 2020. Bye.